0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 9, So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: You got to read this text this morning because if you don't read along with me, it won't be a good message. It won't be a good message if you don't read. Now, if you're here for the first time, we've been going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Revelation. And this past Wednesday evening, after service, I was talking to this new couple that uh, had just uh, came to church, and they came to visit on a Wednesday night, last, this past Wednesday. And, you know, we're out in the lobby area and we're talking about home fellowships and just kind of chatting about stuff, you know. And I mentioned to them that we were currently going verse by verse through the book of Revelation. And they said, what? Really? You're going through Revelation? They said, oh, pfft, there's many pastors and churches that wouldn't dare to teach the book of Revelation. And I thought that's so true. How many churches wouldn't dare to teach or pastors wouldn't dare to teach the book of Revelation? Why? Because people think that it's scary. And given chapters nine, eight, nine and ten, I guess I can see why. People say it's scary. This book is spooky and it's just filled with you know, death and war and plagues and blood and scary creatures and strange invasions. And, you know, the book of Revelation it evokes all kinds of emotions in people. And then there's some people who say, well, who can understand it anyway? So why even bother? I mean, nobody can understand it. It's just full of, you know, veiled messages. So why even bother with it? It's too difficult to understand. Well, listen, the book of Revelation is not difficult to understand. It is not. As a matter of fact, it is very easy. I'd go as far as to say easy to understand. It is the only book in the Bible that has contained in the book a divine outline, or what I like to call, if you've been here for some time, a simple summary statement found within the book that outlines the whole book, which makes it very, very easy for us to understand. It's Revelation chapter 1 verse 19. If you don't have this underlined in your Bibles, you should do it now. Do it now. Revelation chapter 1 verse 19. Here's this really simple summary statement, a divine outline of the entire book. John says, write the things which you have seen and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. The whole book is outlined right here in verse 19 of chapter 1. Notice it's a three-section outline. The first section deals with the things that John has seen, right? The things which you have seen. What did he see? He saw the resurrected, glorified Christ. If you were here over the last several months, you know that. He saw Jesus. He saw the resurrected, glorified Jesus Christ, the first section. And then the second section, notice chapters 2 and 3, deal with the things which are. Right? The things which are. What is John talking about? He's talking about things which are presently. The church age. In chapters 2 and 3, you have pictured seven epics of church history in chronological order, from the apostolic church to the apostate church, the apostolic church of Ephesus and the apostate church of Laodicea, Again, we have covered all of this. If you weren't here, you can order the tapes or the CD. The first and second section, the third and final section, chapters 4 through 22. You see how simple this is? Write the things which will take place after this. After this. Metatauta. It means after this. After what? After the church age. After church history. The church is taken up into heaven. In chapters 4 and 5, We've seen the churches in heaven on a honeymoon with Jesus, tucked away. Meanwhile, back on the ranch, on the earth, chapter 6 through 19, describes the time of Jacob's trouble, the great tribulation. At the end of the tribulation in chapter 19, we see Jesus coming back in the second coming. That's chapter 20. Jesus will rule and reign for how many years? For a thousand years. And then in chapters 21 and 22, we see a new heaven and a new earth, and we all live happily ever after. Amen? That's right. Yay. I like that. Yay! Everybody likes a happy ending. Everybody likes a story with a happy ending. And the life of a Christian And the way this book is outlined has a happy ending. We all live with Jesus. So it really isn't that difficult. If you just take the simple and chronological flow of the book, you will see a perfect outline of church history, the rapture, the tribulation, the millennial reign of Christ, the new heaven, the new earth, and then we're living with Jesus. Now, we are presently, if you haven't been with us, in this third and final section known as the tribulation period, This is a time of the wrath of God. God's wrath is being poured out on a Christ-rejecting world. And so far, we've seen a fourth of the earth's population killed. There have been various cataclysmic events happening on the earth. Last week, we looked at, beginning in chapter 9, with the sounding of the fifth trumpet, if you were here. And when the fifth trumpet sounded, a horde of demons was set free from the abuso or from the bottomless pit. And these demons were allowed to run rampant throughout the earth for five months. And they were allowed to torment people and inflict pain upon people. And last week, we closed our study in verse six. During the tribulation, things will be really bad. Men will want to die, but will not be able to die. Death took a vacation for five months, we looked at all of that last week. Now you might be thinking, "Well, Rodney, last week's sermon was depressing, man. It was incredibly depressing. I sure hope things get better this week." Well, not exactly. Actually, they get even worse. In chapter nine, with the sounding of the sixth trumpet in verse thirteen, it's demons round two. The demonic activity continues. That sounds like a movie, doesn't it? Demons round two. The demonic activity continues. Again, now, before we get started this morning, again, what I'd like for you to do is turn to the person next to you and say, man, this is one weird chapter. Go ahead, do it. Oh, y'all didn't say it like you really meant it. Say it again. (laughs) Say it again, man, this is one weird chapter. Because this is really, this whole chapter is just kind of freaking me out, y'all. Now, I've got to prepare all this and go over it and over it and over it. And I'm just like, ah, ah, ah. ah. So chapter 9 is one weird chapter. Now, let's pick up in verse 13. And if you weren't with us in your own time, read verses 1 through 12. We, we talked about that last week in order to tape again. But let's pick up this morning in Revelation chapter 9, beginning in verse 13. If you're there, would you say a hearty amen? amen. Well, then the sixth angel sounded. Notice the sixth trumpet. And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. Notice his voice coming from the altar, from these horns, from the altar, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now, I told you this was one weird chapter. How many of you remember Sachamo? You remember Sachamo? Hey, raise your hand if you, if you remember Sachimo. Most of you don't. Well, that would be Louis Armstrong. You remember, hello, Dolly. You, remember? you guys don't remember that either, huh? Goodness, you remember. Okay, good. Two people are with me. Great. All right, how about this? Herb Albert. Dizzy Gillespie, Uh, Wynton Marcellus, Phil Driscoll, Phil Driscoll, none of you guys, what is wrong with you people? Phil Driscoll, who doesn't know Phil Driscoll? How about this? The Archangel Michael, or Gabriel, the Archangel Gabriel. Everyone in the building, if not see me after service. All of these people, all of these are great trumpeters. They're all great trumpeters. But the blowing of the trumpet in chapters eight and nine, it isn't music to anyone's ears. Notice in verse 13, the sixth angel blows his trumpet and a command comes from the horns of the golden altar. Now in the tabernacle, you probably know, the golden altar had four horns on each corner. And the blood from the animal sacrifice was applied to the horns. And it's from these horns, according to John, that John hears a voice, and a voice said to the sixth angel, Release four demons or four angels that were bound at the river Euphrates. Four angels that were bound at the river Euphrates. Now, when you see the word angel, don't assume that these are good angels, because in the Bible, the word angel means messenger. And it could refer to good messengers or bad messengers. So I believe that these angels, nobody wants to be touched by these angels because these are evil, demonic angels. These angels were bound. Notice that. Now, we know that they're evil, demonic angels, bad angels, because they were bound. Good angels in the scriptures are never bound. So these angels were bound, Notice at the great river Euphrates. These are bad angels. Now you might remember Isaiah 14. We pointed this out last week. The five I wills of Satan. I will be like the most high God and four other I wills. And because of Satan's pride, God kicked him out of heaven. And then in Revelation chapter 12, verse 4, the Bible then tells us that a third of the angels went with him. So these angels... These are the same angels or demonic beings that Paul talks about that we Christians wrestle with. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 12 and 13. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against no principalities as demons, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, Christian, take up the full armor of God that you might be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand, then stand. You see, these principalities and powers are demons. And what we are talking about here, the four angels that are released from this area of the river Euphrates, these are demons. Four demonic angels bound in the area of the river Euphrates for a long time. Now notice this, these angels bound in the river Euphrates. The river Euphrates is pregnant, literally pregnant with meaning to the reader. Pregnant with meaning. The the river Euphrates is a huge river, divides the Middle East in half from the Black Sea to the Persian Gulf. It flows, and if you check out your maps, you'll see this. It flows from the mountains of Turkey, runs through Syria, Iraq, and empties into the Persian Gulf at the Iranian border. The Euphrates was the eastern boundary in the first century of both the Roman Empire and the land that God had promised Abraham's descendants. The West Bank. Sound familiar? Genesis chapter 15, you will find that very point. So basically, the Euphrates divides Israel from Russia, Iran, Iraq, and China. Notice these four angels are bound at the rivers Euphrates. Now, the area of Euphrates was also important in Jewish history and in Scripture because we know the Garden of Eden was located somewhere in the area of the Euphrates, The sin of man began in the area of the Euphrates. The first murder was committed in this area. The first lie was told in this area. The first war was fought in this area. The first grave was dug in the area of Euphrates. The flood began in this area and spread throughout the whole earth. This is the area where Nimrod Founded the Babylonian cult religion, it's the birthplace, this area of the Euphrates is the birthplace of every false religion. And the Euphrates will be an historical focal point in the last days. So there's lots and lots and lots and lots of meaning with this area of Euphrates. Be that as it may, these angels were released on a very specific note God-ordained time schedule. Did you know that? Notice these demons have been bound and reserved. Notice in verse 15, for the hour, day, month, year. Notice that. Now, in the Greek, it literally reads, for the hour in the day and the day in the month and the month in the year and the year itself. Notice that. So what does that mean? Well, here's Rodney 1-1 for you. God is never late, and God is never early. Amen? Notice they were prepared for a specific time. God is always on time. And that also tells us that God is in control of this whole situation. Again, you guys, listen, don't get caught up in all the demons and all the things that are going on and lose perspective. God is in control of this situation. God is in complete, God is in heaven orchestrating all the events of the earth. God is always in control. God is never, ever, no, not ever, out of control. And when you have a problem in your life, God hasn't fallen off the throne. He knows exactly what you're going through because he's in control. I was thinking about this. God is in control of my heartbeat when I'm sleeping. It's God who keeps your heart beating when you're asleep. It's God who keeps your brain functioning. It's God who keeps your blood flowing. It's God who gives you the breath that you breathe. That's God in control. We forget that. We really do forget. When we get up in the morning and it's like <sighs> bad breath, dragon breath, you know. It's like, "Whoa, honey." But it's God. God. <laughs> sorry. God gives us, you know, Paul said in Acts 17, Paul said, for in him we live, we move and we have our being. God is always in control and God is completely in control of this demonic situation. Notice again in verse 15. When these demons are released, power is given to them to kill a third of mankind. Notice that. Now earlier in chapter 9, remember we talked about it? Death takes a holiday. Remember? Men sought death and they weren't able to find it. Well now, later in the same chapter, notice there's no way to avoid it now. There's massive death. Now we point it out. We are told that there are approximately 6 billion people on the planet today. Approximately 6 billion people on the planet. During the sealed judgments in chapter 6, remember a fourth of mankind was killed. That would be 1.5 billion people, leaving 4.5 billion people. And now, Here in verse 15, a third of all men will be killed. That's another 1.5 billion people dead. Total dead, 3 billion people during the tribulation. Man, that's a lot of people. You know what Jesus said in Matthew 24? Jesus said, it will be a time of great trouble such as the world has never seen nor shall ever see again. Three billion people dead? So with the opening of this of the fourth seal and the blowing of the sixth trumpet, half of all mankind is dead. Now think about the carnage. Think about the, pardon me, the rotting bodies. Think about the decay. Think about the disease. Think about the problem that man is going to have in disposing of 3 billion people. This is incredible. It, it, it's actually higher. It, it, it's unconscionable. 3 billion people, 3 billion people, not 3 million, not 3,000, 3 billion people dead. And how... Are they killed? Notice in verse 16 through 19. Now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, sulfur yellow. The heads of the horses were like the heads of lion and out of their mouths came Fire, smoke, and brimstone. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire. Let's be clear. And the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents, having heads, and with them they do harm. How are they killed? a large army, a large army. Notice John says, I heard the number of this army to be 200 million men. Now, that's a lot of men. That, 200 million men? That would be a column of men one mile deep and 87 miles long. 200 million. That's a lot of men. Now, back then, understand, back then when the readers read this, Oh, come on. 200 million, man. Come on, man. Where are they going to get 200 million? There's not even 200 million people on the planet when they were reading this. There's not even 200 million people on the planet. 1870, it was recorded that there were 1 billion people on the planet. So when they're reading this, there's not 200 million people on the planet. So they're thinking, come on, where are you going to get these people from? But John says, that's the number I heard. I heard the army of 200 million soldiers. Now, in 1991, you probably know this. There was a coalition of 39 nations that mustered 1 million soldiers to battle against Saddam Hussein. I was one of them. The battle against Saddam Hussein in uh, Iraq. You probably know that. The former Soviet Union boasted that it had an army of over 3 million men. India, one of the most populated nations in the world, has an army of 1.1 million. And China officially has an army of approximately 2.3 million people. Combine those forces together, it's not even a tenth of the 200 million. Not even a tenth. Now, it was May 21st, 1965, Time magazine... The president of China went public and boasted that China had a military force that could be mobilized, that could mobilize an army. China said this, went on record, Time Magazine said that there was, they had a military army of, they could mobilize in five months a military army of 200 million men. Now they're probably not trained men, but that's what the president of China said in 1965. And It's very possible, very real, very likely that they could mobilize a larger number even today than that. So John says, that's what I heard. And notice the description of this 200 million staggering army that John sees. Notice the description of this army. John saw horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of red and blue and sulfur yellow, heads like the heads of lions, out of their mouths came fire, smoke, brimstone, power in their mouth and tail, and their tail was like serpents with heads. Now, that sounds like something out of a Steven Spielberg movie, doesn't it? It really does. Horses in body, heads like lions, tails that are like snakes that bite people.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923.